Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. A trio of standout performances highlighted the Al Manual Invitational in Missoula last weekend, getting collegiate outdoor track and field kicked off around the Treasure State. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. At Dornblazer Field in Missoula, Grizz sophomore javelin thrower Evan Todd popped the throw of his life. He hucked the jab 229 feet 2 inches, breaking his personal best by more than 10 feet. Kalispell native's throw ranks first in the Big Sky Conference and fifth in the NCAA West Regional. Mark would have won last year's Big Sky Outdoor Championship, and he was just three feet from Jensen Lilquist's Montana program record. Last season, Todd finished fourth in the Big Sky, qualified for the NCAA Regionals during his rookie outdoor season with the Grizz. Todd earned Big Sky Conference Men's Field Athlete of the Week on Monday for his performance. The Men's and Women's Track Athletes of the Week from the Big Sky went to a pair of Montana State standouts for their excellent afternoons at the Al Manual in Missoula as well. Elena Carter, a junior sprinter and hurdler, ran 13.66 seconds in the 100-meter hurdles, second fastest time at MSU ever. She also ran a personal best in the 200, ran a leg on the winning 4 by 100 meter relay team and long jump a personal best 19 feet 6.25 inches schneider took home first place in the 200 and 400 meters respectively running times of 21.31 seconds and 46.63 seconds earned the weekly big sky award for the second time in his career this espn missoula sports center is brought to you by selway armory just said winning's easy but it also gets you on the radio we always like to do a little grizz tennis when it's this time of year anyways jason brown and this is how i say his last name but we're gonna have him say it for you in a minute gustav Thielgard here in studio with us thanks so much for hanging out with us here on a wednesday it's is now espn radio if you're watching in swx montana television thanks for being here if you missed anything in the first hour of the show Talked some Grizz basketball. Robbie Beasley into the transfer portal. That's the latest news of the day when it comes to Grizz hoops. Also talked some Grizz football from Chad Germer, University of Montana offensive line coach. And also talked about some historic athletes, including Ben Hogan and Billy Hoppy. Very cool. This book my mother gave me, the greatest sports stars of the first half of the 21st century, or the 20th century, excuse me. So we're trying to keep you, keep you educated around here. You can find everything from today's first hour. On the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as the Advocates. It's a Wednesday, so that means it's time for our ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls also are 
presenting sponsor for our bracket challenge. So hopefully your bracket's doing okay. I almost guarantee it's not. Nobody's bracket looks very good uh, this year. Unless, of course, maybe you were smart enough to pick Mike Krzyzewski to go to the Final Four. That's actually not that outrageous of a uh, bet. But either way, thanks for entering and thanks to Paradise Falls for being the proud sponsor of our bracket challenge and for being the proud sponsor year-round of the ESPN Roundtable. Jason Brown, as I mentioned, the head coach of the University of Montana men's tennis team as well as one of his freshman standouts here in studio. Thanks so much for being here, guys. First of all, let's talk just broadly, Coach, about the start to this season. You guys off to an 11-1 start. You're getting some love in the national rankings. You're undefeated in a Big Sky Conference play. We've talked a lot. I mean, you've been here before. We've talked about sort of the challenges of building tennis programs in cold weather places like Montana. It's not always easy, but it seems like you got has got it rolling a little bit right now. What's been the keys? I mean, what have been some of the – the elements of Grizz tennis success so far this spring? Well, I think first off, uh, you know, we've got some great senior leadership this year. Uh, I think he came in when he was a freshman or sophomore, but he's seen Shaffrey, and there's a... He's one of our favorites, uh, the, yeah, the old Irishman, loving, loving telling stories with that guy. He's fun. Exactly, and uh, he's got three three seniors with him, uh, Ed Pudney, Pontus Halgren, and Milo Ben, who are all from all different parts of the globe, and they've provided a nice backbone of leadership for us. Uh yeah, it's been a fantastic start. Uh, I really have enjoyed getting the uh, the speech uh, post post game losing speech very rusty this year. I haven't, <laughs> right, haven't had to bust right. it out. We were the we were actually the last undefeated team in D one, which is cool. Um, yeah, first time in the national rankings for our program. We're on week six in a row. So yeah, setting setting some really really cool precedences for the uh, the program and and. You know, with Gustav and and some of the guys coming in, we're just looking to build a really bright future here at Montana and make it make it a a mid major powerhouse. You know, and I, I think that I think it it looks really bright from a scheduling perspective. How does that work? Because you have your obviously your conference games, but for non conference stuff, I, I talk to this uh, about this with Travis Takir quite often, and um, of course Shannon Schwain and then Brian Holsinger about basketball scheduling. How's it work from a, from a um, tennis perspective. I mean, is, is there such thing as money matches and things like they're talking about in, in, in basketball? Or how does it work? How do you guys, you know, how do you get an Air Force to come to Missoula, for example? It's honestly a, a lot about relationships. Yeah. Uh, you know, and a little a little give and take. Um, we'd had some nice matches with Air Force in the past. And, and, you know, if you travel down to Colorado Springs a couple of times and have a nice relationship with the coaches, they respect our program and our players and say, like, oh, we'd love to come up and see Montana. Uh, it's been really difficult for us to get quality opponents in here. Because mm-hmm. you guys have won, won now 26 of your last 28 home matches, is that yeah, right? Yeah, we haven't lost at home in like three years. Yeah, right. And, and hopefully that trend continues. But really tough to get, uh, you know, Utah is never coming here. Right. And I know Travis runs into that same for problem. For sure. Coach Secure talks like, about it all the time. He said, I'd love to schedule a home and home from Gonzaga. Gonzaga's not coming to Missoula. Absolutely not. I mean, the risk-reward risk, risk reward for them is, you know, we can – we can ruin a Utah or a BYU season with a loss in Missoula. So we try to get the best competition we can uh, to come in through here. And then this year we took a little different scheduling route. We we scheduled a couple of top D3 schools, top 20 D3 schools to play And there's out. some really good ones in the region, right? I mean, Whitworth is very good, yeah. always competitive. Yeah, and, and got to go play them on the road uh, when we took a trip out to Oregon to play Portland State. And, yeah, it turned out the two D3 schools we played were actually – better than Portland State this year. So uh, change, change things up a little competition-wise. Um, yeah, allowed us to get a lot of confidence. Uh, last year we took a road trip down and played BYU and Utah both in our first outdoor matches and came back not thinking we knew how to play tennis anymore. So we tried to avoid that this year, and it's worked well. The guys are confident, and, I mean, winning's contagious, you know? Yeah. They find ways. We found a way this last weekend just to, to win a match that was kind of tricky, and I – Honestly, wasn't that stressed about it. I kind of looked around and said, these guys will get it done, and they did. So Fun, the lost art of Division One sports. Gustav, tell us about your story. You, you hail from Denmark. You've been here at Montana for a little while. So what kind of first led you here? Well, it was actually Jason that just led me here. You know, I was pretty stressed about my, well, my decision to go to college or stay back home, and I didn't really know what to do. So I contacted an agent, and she got me in contact with Jason. And then, I mean, after the first call, I was pretty sure that I was going coming to Missoula. What's tennis like uh, where you're from? Is is it big? Is it a big sport, or are, you know, are you kind of an anomaly? How does it work? Well, I mean, Denmark's a kind of a small country, so sure. t- I mean, sports in general is just not very big. And 
it's been pretty different to come over here where it's like I feel like I've got a lot more players to play with and it's been easy you know when we have like four seniors and stuff to I can lean up against and listen to what they're saying and listen to their experience that's been you know helping me to improve as a tennis player both on and off the court as well Gustav, say your last name for us. Tilgo. Tilgo. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying field guard over here. This is a completely you uneducated to, it American. It has to be like you have a potato in your mouth. And <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. Tilgo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you uh, recently won Big Sky Conference uh, Men's Tennis Player of the Week. Yeah. Second time so yeah. far. So what have you thought of just competing in the Big Sky, just the level of competition? How have you been able to have such a standout freshman year? Well, I mean, yeah, I feel like it's been easy to be to be around such a well good coaches, great team, great team spirit, and that just made like everybody on the team. I feel like has been, been performing really good, so it's been easy for me to just jump straight in on the team and just well play my best tennis. I don't think I've played as good as I've been playing the last couple of weeks, so it's been really nice. The uh, from sort of a a background perspective. When you're like a little kid in Denmark, what does everybody say? Is it soccer or is it hockey? What What is like sort of the national pastime? Well, it's soccer and handball, maybe. Handball, interesting. Yeah. So did you play handball growing up? No, I didn't. Oh. Not our handball. No, well, it's not. It's Denmark actually founded a sport called handball. Interesting. And so it's not the same as no, we play no, here. No, okay. it's not the same at all. It's like huge dudes uh, running into each other. It's quite similar. Uh, more similar to football. So oh, interesting. Like, it's like a lot of body contact and stuff. Th- that's very interesting. Well, cool. What do you think of Montana so far? Well, it's been really good. I actually, it feels like kind of home pretty quickly to me. Like I've, the town I'm living in in Denmark is like mm, smaller town. And I feel like it's kind of the same environment here. So it's been pretty easy for me to adapt to live here in Missoula. Jason Brown and Gustav say it one more time. Talgo. Talgo here in studio with us. It's our ESPN Roundtable, our long-form interview for the week. These guys from the Grizz tennis team, they are undefeated Big Sky Conference, play 3-0. and Idaho State coming to town Saturday. Northern Arizona coming to town on Sunday. So a pair of home matches. If you want something to do, go check these guys out. And, and Coach, let's talk about sort of the uh, – first of all, this young man, because the acclimation point for any freshman to college period is always a – it's a steep learning curve for sure. And then you add Division One sports, that makes it even more challenging. And then you talk about somebody that came from thousands of miles away, you know, hasn't seen his mom probably in a really long time. It's it's that's tough. So what have, I mean, what have you thought of just his ability to sort of accumulate, but not only accumulate, but make a big impact on your program? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a testament to the maturity of these guys who who decide to leave their the safety and comfort of their home country, come and take college classes in their second language. Uh, right. Yeah. Meanwhile, trying to compete. And, and then comes on the radio in his second language, too. It's like me trying to talk Spanish on ESPN radio in <laughs> Spain. It's not happening. This is amazing. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I. for me, it's inspiring, and I'm impressed every day by these guys. And, and they continue to win the academic award for the university uh, athletic department every single year. It's, uh, it's an amazing testament to just not only their maturity, but... I really try to recruit guys who love tennis, who love the sport. So we were talking on the drive over here a little bit about the the idea that, uh, you know, post post football playoffs, nobody's getting the pads on and hitting each other in Washington Grizzly. Right. And tennis season ends, and two days later, I see ninety percent of the team out hitting tennis balls because right. it's what they love to do. Totally. And and it makes my job easy. I I tend to have to pull them back from trying to play too much and having overuse injuries and whatnot. But. Uh, yeah, I, I that's think one that, of the things that makes it such a great sport too, though, right? I mean, it's very kind of much like golf, where you can play it all the time. You can't play it for your whole life, and it, you know, it is. There's so many different levels you can play it at too, right? You can just go hit balls with your buddies, or you can play an intense Division One match. Yeah, and and then for Gustav and and some of the newer recruits, we've been getting a, most of them have pro aspirations. Sure, which you know they get four years to come here, get an education, and and we can figure out how good they can be, and we'll have a pretty clear idea when they when they f- wrap up their college career. And, you know, Gustav's playing number four this year as a freshman. He could easily be playing number one, uh, you know, and probably will for the rest of his career. In fact, if, if he's not the conference MVP by the time <laughs> we're done here, I, I'm messing up. So, yeah, excited about the future, to say the least. Well, it's always so fun, too, to uh, look through just rosters in general in the Big Sky Conference, but particularly at the two Montana schools and just see sort of the international flavor. You're a guy from Conrad, Montana, so this must be so fun for you. I mean, Brisbane, Australia. You got New Zealand, Sweden, Spain, England, another Australian, 
Ireland, Germany, Denmark, and then you got the one Montana guy in Josh Watkins on the squad as well. So uh, how does this sort of coalescing of cultures work, though? Because it must be fascinating to sort of see all these different people bring all these different elements to your team. Yeah, I think that... um there's some cohesiveness in tennis. Most of these guys have sort of known of each other. Sure. If they right. haven't known each other, been at the same tournaments throughout Europe. And because you have to be like pretty darn high level in Europe to be getting recruited to, you know, American colleges, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just think that there's the the people possibly, I mean, I'm going to sound a touch biased here, but I think they underestimate the level at which we're playing at um, comparative to maybe other sports mm-hmm. across like our our department or the conference, like the tennis level in the big sky has just risen in the 10 years I've been involved in the program astronomically. For so, sure. so uh, yeah, I think that uh, you see some teams that end up with uh, five guys from one, one region or one country on a team. And I don't think it, it leads well to good culture. I think these mm. guys enjoy the fact that there's people from all over. And uh, you know, usually my rule is like two guys from one country tends to work a little better and they do a lot of recruiting of each other. Sure. Hey, this is a great guy. I'd love to have him on our team. He would fit right in. He's a great player. Makes makes uh makes me look very smart in recruiting. And in fact, Gustav's here because uh, we he's our first he's our first Dane. Right. But I have a good relationship with the uh, the coach at the University of San Diego. Oh, cool. And they have a Danish kid who's the number one player in the NCA. Spoke to him last year, and he says, "Oh, you'll you'll really like this guy. He's a good kid." Great forehand. He'll be a great college tennis player for you, and that's all I need to hear. I mean, on top of getting to know him a bit through the recruiting process. So. And, and Gustav, from your perspective, yeah, it's always fun to meet all sorts of new people your freshman year of college, but now you have all these teammates from all over the world. So what have you learned from them? What have been some of the experiences you guys have had? Well, I mean, it's just fun to be around them both on and off the court, you know, like and learn some new things both on the court but, like, off the court, especially, like, just languages, accents and stuff. Just so funny to even have a conversation with people because we have just, I mean, just different ways of saying things. <laughs> For sure. It just makes a normal conversation even more exciting than, than it usually would. So if I'm, gonna, if I'm going to Denmark, I'm going on vacation to Denmark, Yeah. what do I have to eat? We, we actually have some stuff called smurp, well, which, is what, which is like just it's bread with some different meats on, and that's probably the thing that Denmark is most known for. I mean, just the different types of meat we've got in Denmark. What do you think of the food here? Because that's all, we always talk about language barriers and you know social acclimation, but it's the food that you got to eat every day. And if you don't like the food, that's going to be a bad experience. Yeah, I mean, the food is is more exciting than the Danish that's food. To be honest, like we lo- love the like plain food, like really plain food, like plain bread, uh, oatmeal, completely pl- plain. Like that's it's pretty boring actually, but that's what I've been used to, so it's kind of exciting sometimes when I go in the food zoo on campus and there's a whole different buffet of all the stuff I can imagine, you know, so that's that's pretty nice. Is there anything about Missoula or Montana that surprised you? Actually, not really. I've, like, I talked with a lot of the guys before I came as well, so I knew what I was going into, like, kind of, so that was... I mean, not really. What about other places that, that you've been? I know you've been around a little bit now traveling for tennis. Any any uh, any place that was like, well, I didn't expect it to be like that? Um, I feel like religion is, Interesting. is is a thing over here that's like much more, well, you know, much more serious about religion and stuff where you don't see it as often in Denmark. Like you don't see people will like talk about the religion and stuff in in public and stuff and you hmm. can you can tell like if for example when we went to BYU that was a different experience for, for sure yeah, yeah. I've never experienced the Mormon people before ever right, so that right. was like yeah, that was pretty new for me, and yeah, that's probably the main thing that's been different for me. Yeah, it's so interesting because I remember talking. Eastern Washington had a great Australian pipeline going for men's basketball, and when the men's basketball tournament used to be in Reno, you'd, you'd run into the athletes. So, mo- so much more often because everybody was staying in the same place. And I remember talking to Vanke Joyce, who was one of the great Eastern players, and I was like, so what did you think of like living in Cheney? And he was like, man, I didn't know that uh, he thought America was all the same. He didn't realize that it wasn't just like farm fields and wheat fields. He's like, the first time I went to Montana, I'm seeing all these mountains. I'm thinking, this is great. Then I go to California, I realize we're on the beach. And it's just so diverse, right? There's just so many different elements. So it's just a, such a huge country, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I've, 
heard a lot of people in class and stuff that have, haven't been out of America like ever and that's right. so weird for me to think about because I've been traveling like all over Europe totally. and the world in general because well because it's so much to, closer to good yeah, places right yeah, I mean yeah. how I mean, how far of a drive is like France from where you live probably like 12 hours yeah so so yeah. like not crazy though yeah, you can get there pretty easily nearly just across the state here or something so <laughs> right. yeah, I mean that's, that's so weird to think about <laughs> yeah no it is it's, it's very interesting what's it been like going to school in a second language uh, well, I mean, the start of the first semester was pretty tough, but we start learning English in Denmark pretty early, and it's just something you have to learn, you know, to, yeah, just to travel, and English is just, um, just something you need to learn. So the first maybe like a month or two was tough for me, and then it's been like easy. And I start to forget how to speak Danish sometimes. I feel like, so, yeah. <laughs> right. So you're going to go home and your mom's going to be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Jason Brown, Gustav Thielgard. How'd I do? Thielgo. Talgo. Talgo. Gustav Talgo. You forget the potato. Okay. Gustav Talgo. Lessons in Danish names here on Nuanas Now. It's ESPN Radio. It's our ESPN Roundtable. These guys from the Grizz tennis team. And Grizz off to an 11-1 start. 3-0 in Big Sky Conference play. Uh, so, Coach, let's talk about sort of the stretch run of the season here. You guys got the two home matches, Idaho State here on Saturday, Northern Arizona here on Sunday, and then uh, a, a little bit more of the week out from having Sac State come to town. And then you got kind of a season-ending road trip that culminates in the rivalry with the Bobcats, who, by the way, Bobcats are rolling along right now, too. They're 14-6 and six overall. They are 4-0 in Big Sky Conference play. Trey Morris from MSU will join us here on the show later on this week, so I'll look forward to that as well. But how, what's the sort of upcoming navigation of this stretch run going to be like? What are sort of the, the keys for your team? What do you want to see them maintain? What do you want to see them improve? Well, I just uh, saying an extra little prayer, speaking of religion, an extra little prayer to somebody <laughs> every night that we stay healthy. Uh, we've ran into a couple little injuries here and there. And, uh, you know, the guys have stepped up. We lost our number one player at Eastern Washington and still ran ran off a 7-0 victory. So we'll see. Um as you've seen in probably every Big Sky sport now, the parity is unbelievable. There's no, not nearly the drop-off at the bottom there used to be. For sure. And in men's tennis, we lost two programs. So we lost Southern Utah and Northern Colorado during COVID, um, both schools dropping their programs. And they were perennially sort of the bottom of uh, of the Big Sky. And so, yeah, n- no easy matches left for us. Is there a reason for that? Because we've sort of seen... I, I thought this was sort of fascinating. In in football, uh, when Idaho, Boise State, and Nevada left the Big Sky Conference, but then Montana sort of drove the, the, the ship forward in the mid-'90s, and then everybody sort of was chasing Montana, but it helped the whole league rise. Same thing in women's basketball. So many teams have invested in women's basketball because of what Robin Selvig built with the Lady Grizz program, and we've seen it sort of across the board. And now we see sort of these burgeoning softball programs. Is there anything you can point to as to why maybe there has been such an increase in level of competition and talent in the Big Sky Conference in tennis? Yeah, a couple of things. I think um, uh, probably probably three, three, three things I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, one is there was some, during COVID, some of the top programs. There was a bunch of programs, to, even some Power 5 schools that lost their programs. And so they those players hit the transfer portal and scattered into mid-majors, basically. Um, That's so, interesting. So, so that, the transfer portal is a, is a thing in men's tennis yeah, as well? Yeah, Montana State's got, I think, three or four transfers. For sure. uh, you know, we have one. You guys have one. He's a Boise State, he was, Washington Boise, State, is yeah, that right? Yeah, he, he started in George Washington. They, oh, right, okay. I knew uh, there was a Washington in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. cut the program, ended right. up at Boise, yeah, wasn't yeah. happy, came to us. Uh, so that's part of it. Um the other big thing with professional tennis now, it used to be you'd see Boris Becker win Wimbledon at 17. And right. Now, guys are maturing sort of 24, 25, 26 sure. as and professionals. They, and, they, and they can also play so much longer now, too, right? I mean, you look Absolutely. At, I mean, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal are, and, and Novak Djokovic are blazing a whole new trail right now. Yeah, guys used to retire in their late 20s. For, I mean, Barry Pete Sampras Gr- retired when he was, what, 32? And he was, like, ancient by tennis standards, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So, um... These guys are seeing that college is this great time to get, hopefully, high-level coaching. If they mm-hmm. choose the right program, you know, good string and sponsorship, shoe deals, and, and getting right. getting to uh, travel and sort of test their level while getting an education. Um, so those are those are two of the big things that have have driven it up. And the third actually is maybe more conference centric to the Big Sky. And this is slightly my opinion, maybe kind of knowledgeable, but. When you say a lot of these teams are chasing Montana in football, sure. 
I think some of these schools have decided, hey, we're going to pour some mm-hmm. money into some of these smaller sports that we have a shot at. For sure. You know, right. Idaho State right. can become, you throw just a few dollars at Idaho State, they can become viable in men's tennis really quickly. For sure. Um, where they might not catch us because their facilities are so far behind in football. It's going to be really tough for the Bengals to dominate the big sky. For sure. Right. So a little bit of that. So we've seen a lot of, uh, yeah, the bottom rise up and it's made it exciting and made me a better tennis coach. So I love the challenge. You got a little last thing for you then coach. Uh, If you were to just tell the community, tell the state, Sort of like the the style that your team plays. I mean, what's interesting about Grizz? Obviously, you have the international flavor, and you got a lot of success going. But w- what can people expect if they come out to watch it? What kind of style can they expect? Yeah, we we're we play indoors at some altitude compared to you know if you sure. watch a pro tennis tournament, it's usually a little slower at sea level and outdoors. And we play a pretty fast brand of tennis. We like to get guys into the net to finish points off quickly and hitting a lot of overheads and big serves. And it it's uh yeah, it's not. It's not two guys standing uh, 20 feet behind the baseline rolling it high over the net. It's a, it's a lot of uh, quick finish tennis, and uh, I, I think it's a great product. Uh, the people who've come out to watch have been astounded, not only at the level, but just like, wow, we didn't understand the energy of this sort of individual sport in a team format. So, yeah, it makes for makes for great viewing, and, uh, you know, we haven't started charging for tickets yet. So, uh, yeah, come out to the peak this weekend morning that? and you'll be in great shape. Some free entertainment, 9.30 a.m. on Saturday, 10.30 a.m. on Sunday. Idaho State Saturday, Northern Arizona Sunday. The Peak Racket Club there out at the, uh, the Peak Fitness Center. Gustav, last thing for you then. What are your sort of uh, hopes and, and goals for the, the rest of this uh, regular season here as you've already had a, gr- a great freshman year? But how do you hope this finishes? Well, I mean, the ultimate goal for both me and I think the rest of the team is to win the base guy championship. That's like the ultimate goal, and that's what we're going for, to be honest. got to love it. Thanks so much for being here, guys. This was awesome. A little Grizz Tennis here on your ESPN Roundtable. We're going to dive back in. I have my five biggest NBA storylines of the year yesterday, but I want to compare notes with our James Seabrook. More nuances now here on ESPN Radio. Keep it right here, 1029 FM, ESPN Missoula. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. A trio of standout performances highlighted the Al Manual Invitational in Missoula last weekend, getting collegiate outdoor track and field kicked off around the Treasure State. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. At Dornblazer Field in Missoula, Grizz sophomore javelin thrower Evan Todd popped the throw of his life. He hucked the jab 229 feet 2 inches, breaking his personal best by more than 10 feet. Kalispell Natives throw ranks first in the Big Sky Conference and fifth in the NCAA West Regional. Mark would have won last year's Big Sky Outdoor Championship, and he was just three feet from Jensen Lilquist's Montana program record. Last season, Todd finished fourth in the Big Sky, qualified for the NCAA Regionals during his rookie outdoor season with the Grizz. Todd earned Big Sky Conference Men's Field Athlete of the Week on Monday for his performance. The Men's and Women's Track Athletes of the Week from the Big Sky went to a pair of Montana State standouts for their excellent afternoons at the Al Manuel in Missoula as well. Elena Carter, a junior sprinter and hurdler, ran 13.66 seconds in the 100-meter hurdles, second fastest time at MSU ever. She also ran a personal best in the 200, ran a leg on the winning 4x100-meter relay team, and long jumped a personal best 19 feet, 6.25 inches. Schneider took home first place in the 200 and 400 meters, respectively, running times of 21.31 seconds and 46.63 seconds, earned the weekly Big Sky Award for the second time in his career. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. Into my eyes, 
eyes if you wanna know me. Before you hypnotize, homie, what do you see? A figure that's just a little bigger than Dillas. A hustler count figures, ain't pulled no triggers. Can you dig us? We be the ultimate lick. We's the hitters that make the ultimate hits. Kinda bossé, kinda bossé. It's got to be done my way. Do what the What up, Montel? Ice Cube for you here on your Wednesday. Hope you're grooving out, having a great week so far. Spring is here. It just feels so good. The sunshine is always a welcome return in western Montana and all the way around the state of Montana. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. You can always listen to the show online if you can't get to the radio or the TV. We are live on ESPN Radio and live on SWX Montana Television. You can always stream us, though, 1029ESPN.com. You can also hit us up on YouTube. And if you want to be a part of the show, you can always call or text 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Rajim Seabrook riding with me here on a Wednesday. What a fun and interesting interview with Jason Brown, the head coach of the University of Montana tennis team. And Gustav, he told me how to say it so many times. Me too, man. Good luck. Good luck. Phil Go, I think is what it was. Phil Go. Uh, it's spelled like field guard, but very interesting just to get his perspective. He's from Denmark, and he's a freshman here at the University of Montana, but a two-time Big Sky Conference Player of the Week as a rookie already. But I, I love – I think that that's one uh, – the the point of college athletics to me has been always to diversify your campus culture first and foremost because so often your athletes are going to be your driven kids, your leaders – and uh, they don't go hand in hand. You can certainly have driven and, and leadership qualities in non-athletes as well. But I, I think that there's usually about 350 to 375 student athletes on a given campus. And I think that the more diverse that that population can be, the more diverse it adds to the, the campus community being. And I think that's the whole point of college is to diversify your exposure to people from all over the world. That's why I love covering the tennis teams. Because they only got one guy from America. They got guys from Germany and Spain and New Zealand and Australia and Denmark and Ireland and all these different places. And I just think it's fun to have them in here. It's cool. Hey, man, diversify that personal portfolio of the culture of life. I'm all about it. You got to love it. I also love that your brother's listening to us on the show. Man, you don't understand. I have... <laughs> um, I have a following of your following. So I, like, yeah, I love it. I my, love it. My friends and family listen whenever I'm on the show. So, like, if there was a way to kind of gauge, like, viewership, your yeah, numbers yeah. on Friday went, are going down, <laughs> but your numbers on Wednesday are going to go up. Let's go. Well, thanks to everybody out there that's listening, whether you're related to us or not. I know my mom's listening, too. Thanks. Mama knew. Thanks for listening. Ma. Love, uh, love every time you're listening. And I love that Regime's people are listening as well. Uh, so let's talk some NBA because the NBA, there's about uh, <laughs> about a week left here oh in, the, in the regular season. And uh, there's some some good storylines going on in the NBA. It's also a little bit atypical because it's it's been a little while since you had both the L.A. teams and the San Antonio Spurs and the Portland Trailblazers all be very pretty much not good, Yeah, which also has then catered to some really fun young teams like the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks totally. and the uh, Denver Nuggets, although they've been kind of up and down when Jokic has been uh, in and out of the lineup. But totally. when, he's, yeah. when he's in, they, they're really good. They're I mean, really good. I mean, he might be the MVP. But uh, it, it's been fun to see some of the new teams rise. Also, though, uh, and, and so, so first of all, we're going to go through just quickly the five storylines that I – Touted yesterday as some of the top storylines in the league, but we're gonna we're gonna get through. I'm just gonna rip through the first three, but then I want to discuss what I have as my number two out of the five storylines in the league right now because I think you'll find this interesting. I think you'll have good perspective on it as well. So my number five storyline in the NBA so far this year is how good the rookies have been, and we had a good discussion yesterday just about sort of um, how. There's an elevated level of maturity in terms of guys being able to be professionals now, I think, right? It used to be the biggest worry for a guy that came in the league when he's 19 or 20 is how hard is he going to party? I think these guys have a pretty good understanding of what they have to lose. You, you, I'm going to actually, for that statement alone... I'm going to thank the LeBron James of the world. For sure. No question. I think LeBron I'm, James and Kobe Bryant both deserve a ton I'm gonna of credit. Think, I'm going to thank the Kobe Bryants of the world. Yep. Um, I'm going to thank the Steph Currys of the world. Yep. It's uh, a really good point, man. I'm, I'm going to thank those, uh, the Giannis's of the world. For sure. Uh, for maturing basketball. 
um, maturing athletics overall. For sure. Uh, we went from the Wiley party, blow all your money, Scotty Pippen generation. The champagne to, and the campaign. Oh, like champagne and the campaign, baby. You know what's up? Like Jalen um, Rose always says. But Jay-Z said it best. He goes, I'm a businessman and I'm a business man. That's what's happening. These young people in the league are understanding that they are yeah. walking entities. They are walking money makers. They are walking organizations. For sure. And they have gotten their poop in a group. Yeah. FCC, that was really clean. No <laughs> need to wipe after that. Um, and there's there's a maturity level because the more mature, the more compensation comes from that. The more you w represent yourself in a certain way, yep. the more you will be financially compensated. And yep. I think the business acumen of this young generation of athletes is is very prominent. They also have such a, a great acumen when it comes to health, too, right? Well, I mean, Tom Brady set, set a standard in that as well. Period. But, like, LeBron James is leading the way in that, too. Yeah. It used to be in the NBA so often. Guys would just live play hard live hard totally and then it was too late before they started taking care of themselves and so that's why you saw guys like sean kemp just fall off the planet <laughs> oh that's that's a great wow right? cedric sabalos right i mean the dudes would be like elite one day and then just like fat the next day you're like what happened what happened and then it's not coming back zion <coughs> zion yeah no question um man. but there's there's that acumen, that new type of, and I'm going to say social media plays a role. For sure. Some of these guys are out there. They are basketball players by day, but they're activists or yep. organizers or aspiring political, whatever. For sure. And they're showing a different type of athlete for this generation. And then the other point is there's a youth movement about to happen for in the sure. NBA. Yep. The old guard, it's about to change. The LeBrons of the for world. Sure. Like those cats of that generation are about to leave the league, sadly. Uh, but this next generation, and these cats are ready physically, socially, mentally, fiscally. My other, uh, my number four storyline was LeBron about to win the scoring title in year 19. I just think it's so unbelievable because Lakers are having one of the worst seasons in their franchise's history, but LeBron's still going to make sure to get himself just a little feather in the cap. Of course. Give himself a little recruiting tool for the next offseason. My number three storyline was the fact that the Minnesota Timberwolves are relevant, finally. Finally. For the first time in the post-KG era. That, you know, when they got rid of Kevin Garnett, they've just been swimming upstream ever since. But now Carl Anthony Towns is finally coming He's into nice. his own. Anthony Edwards looks like an nice. as advertised number one pick. And the T-Wolves are, I think, 11 games over 500 after last night. And they're probably going to make the playoffs. So I think that's a good one. But then we pause on my number two out of my five best storylines. It's been a minute. Because when Shaquille O'Neal was traded from the Orlando Magic to the Los Angeles Lakers. And Tim Duncan was drafted by the San Antonio Spurs. That set forth what has been basically 20-plus years of the West being significantly better than the East. You had Miami have their run with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, certainly. But mostly, though, it's been... You had Boston. Boston had their one, little, their little, one, little, their one little championship. Little peppering with Boston. But, I mean, it's been San Antonio five times over. The True. Lakers five times over. Golden the Golden State. State Warriors five times over. That's 15 of the last 23 championships right there. Fair enough. And, but also this like sort of the depth of the conferences. The East has usually had like two or three really good teams, and the yeah. West has had like eight good teams. Now it's sort of flipped on its head. Because like I think the T-Wolves and the Mavs and the, the Nuggets and all those teams, they're pretty okay. Yeah. But they're not nearly as good as the Heat or the Bucks or the 76ers or the Celtics. I mean, I think the four teams I just named right there at the top of the East are four of probably the six best contenders for the title, right? Correct. And so you're an East Coast guy. You know what's up? It's sort of uh, a flash in the past. It's sort of a uh, a, a return to what it was because the East was the dominant for sure. Oh, it was the, It was the Lakers versus the East, basically, from All the, the 80s and 90s. Basically. All the time. Uh, yeah, it's nice to kind of see the pendulum swing back to the East. It has been... I would say the better part of almost two decades, and sure. I agree with every, all of your assessments and observations. That's sports, though. Like that's go, sure. that's going to happen. Um, when I look at the East Coast teams and where some of the big stars are going, there's a lot more money and a more concentrated populist market. For sure. So if you if you get traded to a Philly, you're being seen in Boston. You're being seen right. in New York. So you're being even reaches like Cleveland. So there's a there's more of a, a, a far-reaching scope for some of these athletes to immerse themselves in. Well, part of the fall of the East, too, is, is there's a couple of different factors. One, the Philadelphia 76ers intentionally being bad for so long, oh and now they finally aren't bad. They have a, one of the great players in the league in Joel True. Embiid. True. The Washington Wizards just being a joke for 20 years. 
And they're still a joke. They're still a joke. Part of that's just the bad luck when you sign John Wall to one of the richest contracts in history and dude just, like, hurts himself, then re-hurts himself, then falls on the floor and tears his Achilles after he already hurt himself. It's like the worst of the worst luck that you could possibly have. That was such a franchise back. But they've also had poor management. They've had poor drafts, all that. But more than anything, though, the the two revitalizing factors in the East have been, one, the addition of the Brooklyn Nets, from the, the New Jersey Nets becoming the Brooklyn Nets, and now that being a, a real pull for for high it's level draw. stars it's like a draw. like Kyrie Irving and, and and Kevin Durant. Yes, sir. And the other thing is though, the reason the the East took such a uh, fall, and now that is at least part of the way it's it's been a little bit more deep and a little bit more balanced this year is the New York Knicks aren't the laughing stock of the NBA anymore. No, it, New York they're at least fine. The Knicks, but the, the the East needs the Knicks to at least be fine for the East you. to be good. I was going to say that just like the NFL needs Dallas and Green Bay and San Francisco to always be good and relevant. I hear what you're saying. I love you, man. I just want to kiss your brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the New York Knicks have they still they still working on it. Uh, they are out of the playoffs this year, probably. <laughs> they're sitting. <laughs> they are. They're sitting there like three and a half games out of the tenth spots. So they could maybe get hot and play their way into a play-in game. But nope. I, do, I do think that, um, I mean, right now, the Nets are sitting in eighth, but I still think you could say that they, they have an outside shot of being a title contender just because they do have several of the greatest players in the world, and now that Kyrie Irving's whole song and dance, which we're not going to get into, is, is over. We don't have enough show for that, son. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the reemergence of the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think that, you know, Evan Mobley, we're talking about the young guys in the league. Evan Mobley's been very, very good. Yes. The Cavs are playing an original style of basketball. Toronto's staying solid even after Kawhi Leonard left helps. And the other franchise that the East needs to be good for the East to be good is the Bulls. Oh, really? I was going to say Boston. Well, and Boston is good. Boston, okay, just, I was, Boston okay. just has been, but Boston's always been so well run, so it's been very rare that they're ever just, like, terrible. True. No. But, but the Bulls, like, who would have ever thought, like, circa 1999, though, that the Bulls would be, like, one of the worst teams in the league? And they definitely rode that train a couple different versions of it uh, over the last 20 years. Yeah, I, the Bulls are almost... An enigma to me For after sure. post Jordan era, like much like the Lakers, much like the Celtics, you expect them to be something because of what has been established, right? And and to me, the Bulls are also that sway team for where they are geographically to kind of counterbalance the East meets the West. Um, Detroit Pistons were like that late '80s, early '90s, yep. just that like yep. non-coastal team that kind of was the glue that binded the lead together and created great polarization and 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 uh some parallels if you will between the coast. I also think that one of the most one of the most interesting parts of the NBA is like the societal and cultural factors that go into where players in free agency choose to go. In the NFL, we've still seen like the steel belt, the rust belt and the steel belt towns like Pittsburgh and uh, Cleveland Cleveland's not a good example but like but but NFL guys aren't like horrified about the prospect of signing with the Cincinnati Bengals or the right. Pittsburgh Steelers or Green Bay or Green Bay. Right, like, they can still get players. Whereas, like we've seen sort of this mass exodus from those traditional blue collar towns. Like nobody wants to go move to Detroit. No NBA players no. like man, I want to go play for the Pistons. No. And that's been sort of the demise of their franchise. Totally, totally. And I, 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 I mean, there's a couple of different. Fr- I liken that to the Jacksonville Jaguars and NFL for like, sure. That's a NASCAR city, right? That's not right. a football right. town. I mean, think about the Pacers too, right? Like the Pacers. That's why I think Reggie Miller is one of the most underrated players in the history of the NBA. Because okay. Reggie Miller, I know he's he's so inflammatory and he's so annoying. Yes, he's so annoying. But Reggie Miller could have for sure just left the Indiana Pacers high and dry and instead. He wanted to be the dude in Indiana, and that helped buoy their franchise to great success for a really long time. That's true. He was a big fish in a small pound and never floundered the entirety of his career there. <laughs> you know you're talking to a New York Knicks guy when you're talking about Reggie Miller. I hate that dude. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen the uh, the Reggie Miller 30 for 30? Dude. That's probably just the worst thing to watch ever if you're a Knicks fan. It hurts so much. PTSD from my, like, I was in high school and all that. I've seen all of the 30 for 30s, all of the ESPN films, documentaries. And it's definitely not the most profound or poignant line in any of those, but the best line in any of them, the one that makes me laugh the hardest, and I still drop it at pickup games all the time, is when John Starks is talking about when Reggie Miller just diced him. 
He goes, did this dude just do that? <laughs> did this dude just do that? <laughs> I love John Starks. John Starks, man. He just did, did, did do that. I loved him. It's so crazy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know this element. I actually don't know if this element I'm about to address exists in sports nearly as much as it used to either, though. It used to be like guys could be riding really high. And like John Starks was... He's like an all NBA guy for a couple of years. Like he was a very good player, dude. And at one he, time he was he was like the third best. He was like right behind Jordan in a lot sure. of categories for sure. And but it's just so crazy how there was these moments where the true killers of like the eighties and nineties they just cut your heart out, and you were never the same. John Starks was literally never the same a- after that moment in which. Reggie Miller scored, what, nine points in 34 Gosh, seconds? Stop, <laughs> stop. I need a Prozac milkshake. Stop. It hurts. You got to love it. Well, it is good for the NBA that there's young teams rising, particularly in the West, and it's very good for the NBA that some of the uh, stalwart powers of the East are back in it. What's going on the rest of the week? We'll let you know. Keep it right here. New on is now ESPN Radio. The advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. From adventure, back to that maze I sent you. Talking to the rap inventor. The game type fifth, that flame right. Spell my name right. B-I, double G-I-E. Ice out, lights out, me and see the Leo. Getting for some chick he know. See, it's all about the cheddar. Nobody do it better. Going back to Cali, strictly for the weather. Women and the... Sticky green, no seats, please. Papa ain't soft, dead up in the hood. Ain't no love lost. Mm. What up, Montana? Welcome back. Last week, we did all East Coast rap. We had a great conversation. Actually, I thought it was one of the best conversations we've had on this show. Rajim Seabrook, my main guy who's riding with me today. He was, here, he was here last week, and we talked just all about like the ins and outs of life on the East Coast, and we talked a lot about hip-hop, its origin points, some of the best albums in hip-hop history, and we played all East Coast rap last week. So now I'm playing all West Coast except for bringing it home with a East Coast rapper's song about the West Coast. So I did it just for you. I curated it just for you. I love you, man. <laughs> I kind of love it. Come on, us now. ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Missed anything in the show? We've touched on a ton today. You can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Sportsbet Montana as well as The Advocates. And uh, we talked some Grizz Hoops, Robbie Beasley, sophomore guard for the University of Montana men's basketball team, former now. Guard for UM men's basketball. He's in the transfer portal. We also heard from Chad Germer, University of Montana offensive line coach. We talked uh, some history lessons with Billy Hoppy, one of the great billiards players of all time. Fun to listen and learn about him and also fun to get some insight and some knowledge that Rajim's people on the other side of the country are listening. That's pretty cool. And uh, we also heard... What a, great, what a fun interview. What a great interview. Jason Brown, the head coach of the Grizz tennis team, as well as Gustav Filga. That's a I tall drink of water. He's a tall drink of water. They uh, they have deemed him on Grizz tennis social media as uh, the Ivan Drago of the uh, Big Sky Conference. That's, can I, I totally thought he looked like a young Ivan Drago. <laughs> I must break you. He looks His just, haircut he looks was like Dolph Lundgren. He oh. does. He does. I wonder if he's smart as Dolph Lundgren. Do you know oh, he, he has would, a double I mean, degree in chemical engineering? I, I, I believe that. Um, yeah. Gustav, I mean, he just did a whole 15-minute radio interview in a second language, so I think he's really smart. He, that's the thing. Other, that's the other part about the campus culture discussion. Yes, that the tennis team has had the number one GPA among any sports teams at University of Montana for like years, so they're always great students, which is always uh, a welcome boost to the athletic department. But anyways, we also talk some NBA. You can always find it on the Nuanas Now <laughs> podcast, uh, proudly presented by the Advocates and Sportsbet Montana. Just a couple minutes left here. But I wanted to ask you this. We've been talking a lot of college basketball, obviously, because the Final Four is on the horizon. And I've been talking, I've been dwelling on this thought about the uh, the legacy of coaches and coaches that become institutions and icons, because Mike Krzyzewski is certainly that at Duke. I mean, he's been there for 42 years, 13 mm-hmm. Final Fours. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's some guys that are sort of the next generation of guys that are those icons. Like Jay Wright at Villanova, I think he's going to be there for the long haul. Bill Self at Kansas. You know, oh, same same deal, anywhere. and uh, you know Tom Izzo is, is probably getting That's down one to of it. My guys for sure, Sparty. 
probably closing in on it um, for uh, Michigan State. But then uh, it got me thinking about just college basketball in general because I think this time of year college basketball is as popular as, as, as it's ever been. I think it's nowhere close to as popular as it once was from a regular season perspective. No. It used to be like Big Monday, must-see TV. You know, Super Tuesday with the Big East teams. I was going to say Big East Saturdays, too. That was For awesome. sure, man. It was like must-see TV. So I want to ask you. Yeah, man. What, what are some of your favorite college basketball players of all time? We only got about a minute left, but who are some of your favorite college basketball guys, especially growing up where you grew up? Honestly, growing up, uh, my uncle was one of the janitors or custodial engineers uh, at St. John's. So I grew up oh, watching super cool. Chris Mullen. For Mark sure. Mark Jackson, Malik Seeley. I mean, that's a great era of St. John's basketball. Buddy, I mean, it was, so was that what, just Big East, period. What, was that when uh, Louis was the coach? Louis Carnesecca. Carnesecca was still LC, triple LOC. Let's go. What an awesome dude he it is. It was. It was what good. character. I got to watch that. And going back to the Big East Saturdays, I would go with my dad and my brothers to the garden. We paid twenty bucks a piece, and we'd watch three games. We'd sit there: Seton Hall versus Villanova, St. John's versus Syracuse, Georgetown versus the world. And we got to watch Alonzo Mourning, Allen Iverson, Patrick Ewing, Dikembe Mutombo, like some of the greats of the greats of the greats growing up. So, uh, yeah, man, growing up with Big East basketball was friggin' amazing. Awesome! Some of the best times in college basketball history. We'll be back at it tomorrow, four p.m. Nuanas. Now we'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening. For Regime Seabrook, Coulter Nuanas, we're out. Peace. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana, a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.